So something that I don't freely admit to everybody is that I am for the first time getting through the Harry Potter uh, series. All of oh them. my gosh. I'm currently halfway through the fourth book. I don't like reading. We've talked about this. We've talked about <laughs> this is how... a point. This is actually a point of pain yeah, in our relationship. I have two books two. from you yes. on my coffee table. Haven't haven't touched them. I know you haven't. Yeah. I've committed you several times. You, <laughs> you, you will have. not. I don't know what it is. But when you do an audio book, because I'm huge into podcasts, that's essentially what an audio book is. It's just this big, long narrative thing. Yeah. I am loving it. Turns out Harry Potter is pretty good. It's a good podcast. I, it's a really long podcast. <laughs> I mean, the fourth book alone is like 20 hours oh of content. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm using audible and, uh, I'm very much enjoying it. So, uh, I wanted to tell our listeners that we actually have a banner on our website where you can go and specific, if you go specifically through our website and go to audible and sign up for audible, then you can get 30 days free. A lot of places you can get seven days free. You can get a 14-day free trial, but through us, you can get a 30-day free trial of Audible because then you can try it. You can listen to all 20 hours of the fourth Harry Potter book, <laughs> and if you don't like it, then you can leave. There's no contract, contract or anything. So 30 days seems like a lot. Seems like a lot of time to I get mean, for free. Yeah. Is it because all of the executives at Audible are fans of this podcast? Every single one of them. I, you know, I figured that. Yeah. I yeah. suspected that. I and got this, a, this is proof. I got me. a phone call, and it was like... Hey, we love your podcast. And I'm like, who's we? And it was like the entire advisory board at Amazon. I was like, that makes sense. I understand. Amazon? <laughs> Amazon owns Audible. <laughs> you didn't know that? Jeff, Jeff Bezos. Yeah, we jumped all the way to yeah. Amazon. All the time that he's spending on Blue Origin and his penis rocket, <laughs> he is he is listening to Nerd Critic. <laughs> Turns out he loves Nerd he Critic. He loves Nerd Critic. And he's like, hey, you know what Every we're going to do? Every time he takes a bick to his head, <laughs> he's listening to Nerd Critic. He's like, you know what we're going to do for you, CJ? And I'm like, what? And he's like, we're going to give you 30 days free. 30 days free to anybody who listens to Nerd <laughs> the Critic. The best they can offer. Welcome to Nerd Critic, a podcast about great movies sometimes from the dual perspective of critical nerdiness. Why'd you put your hand on your face? It's just really good. It was really funny. <laughs> What's your name? Uh, my name is CJ. Uh, I am your resident nerd. That's awesome. Because my name is Jordan, <laughs> which it should be, because I am your studied and credentialed critic. Um, I always feel weird saying that about myself because it is an appellation that CJ generously applied to me. Uh, and uh, and I think it's true. I mean, you got to think about But it's weird to say that about person. yourself. It's weird to say that about I get yourself. That. It's weird. It's I get weird. That. It's, a lot, it's a lot harder to say than your resident nerd. Yeah, I mean, I feel easy. like I should be straightening my tie while I say Have I ever told you? My bow tie. And like hunching my jacket yeah. on a little bit. I'm your Studying credentials. Credentials. <laughs> Have I ever told you one of the reasons I like your resident nerd? 
Why? Because it kind of reminds me of your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. It, you know what yeah, I mean? I like it kind of has yeah. that feel to yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Your resident nerd. Yeah, it feels anyway. like you're here to help out. Like, for yeah. all of your nerd needs. I'm here. CJ Let is there. Let me know. Here's the thing about you, CJ. That is you. That, that is you, me. You are there for my nerd needs Any, and for lots of other people's nerd needs. I, I will say that I had family texting me before we recorded today asking me about a bunch of shows. Like, have you heard of this show? And I was like, yes, here's the rundown. And then he followed up with like four other shows. And I just gave him all of my thoughts. And he replied, you're better than Google. And I was like, of course I am. I'm, all, I'm always here. Just your friendly neighborhood nerd. Yeah. Just don't introduce ad words into your life. <sighs> just like I, had a, I just like had a pit of anxiety when he said that. Uh, CJ's also quite good at digital marketing. So he's much like Google. You- <laughs> <laughs> More like Google than even he realizes. It's true. It's true. Um, yes. Yeah, so today is a big day. It's a big day. We're we are, talking about Star Wars The Force Awakens. We are kicking off our Star Wars week with Star Wars The Force Awakens. Uh, so we, you get three Star Wars episodes this week alone. We've never, I don't think we've ever released three episodes in a week. Never. So here you go. Yeah. You're welcome, world. You are so welcome. <laughs> what you have been pining for so long is finally here. More nerd critic in a week you. than you can <laughs> yeah. possibly consume. And it's about Star Wars. It's all about Star Wars this week. <sighs> it's exciting. I I have I would like to start this off um, a little bit differently than we start most of our episodes. I wish that I had brought my lightsaber because <laughs> this one of these moments would have been perfect to just turn it just on. Just turn it on. <laughs> you can yeah. always just put the sound effect in. What were you saying? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I am saying that uh, I would like to. I know we talked. We had a Star Wars episode, just like Star Wars in general, a Star Wars episode, uh, and then we had a solo episode as well. But in the Star Wars episode, we gave a little bit of context of our relationship with the franchise. But I feel like we need to do it again. Well, that was like our fourth or fifth or something episode. That was a was long, it that long, long ago? time ago. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, let's let's reintroduce them to our introduction to the Star Wars. <laughs> Sounds really convoluted. Uh, so, CJ, what is your relationship yeah. with Star so Wars? So, mine's a, mine's a lot less exciting than yours. Um, I grew up in a home where uh, my dad was a jock through and through. And stuff like Star Wars was nerdy and geeky. Uh, and it never – like the most – like the most kind of sci-fi nerd movie that made a significant impact on my house was like The Matrix. Outside of that, we never really got into, later in life, we got into Lord of the Rings. But like anything else, Star Trek, Star Wars, Battlestar, all the stars <laughs> never really got any traction in my house at all. Uh, so I saw the prequels. So I saw the original one when I was way too young and I do not remember. And then I saw the prequels in the theaters, but like didn't care. And then when I got into film, I went back and watched like A New Hope and, and the original three. And I could appreciate how great they are and the impact that they had. Outside of that, they're just movies to me. Uh, they're good movies, but they're just movies. I have no nostalgic connection to them. 
Okay. What's your relationship, Jordan? Well, well here's the thing. Um, I feel like you shouldn't have used the word exciting. You should have used the word normal. <laughs> um, I don't have an exciting relationship to Star Wars. I have a normal relationship <laughs> to Star Wars. Um, when I was... When I, I don't remember, and the normal relationship to Star Wars is... Uh, That's true. Your your relationship is much more... It's it's normal. It's yeah, it is, it is. It's standard. It's typical. That's um, the word I, I was looking I, for. You know, because, because I don't remember... So, I, I mean, I obviously was not born in the 70s or 60s, so I didn't, like, go to the theater and watch Star Wars in the theater. Um, I grew up on Star Wars... As something that was just around. It was just in the atmosphere. Like, I don't remember the first time I watched Star Wars A New Hope. It was just something that I had always seen. You don't know the origin of water either. It's just always been there. There's always been water to drink. (laughs) Um, Although, for me, I I mean, I did grow up in Mesa, Arizona. So, uh, (laughs) that wasn't necessarily true. (laughs) Um, (laughs) There was always 7-Elevens and soda to drink. (laughs) Anyway, um, I... I, uh, I had a I have a very deep relationship with Star Wars because it's very much part of my childhood. We watched Star Wars so much that uh, there is not a scene or a line of dialogue that is not deeply familiar in the original trilogy for me. Um, we would, I mean, like I think I mentioned this in the Star Wars episode that we recorded uh, many of these ages ago. But uh, I would we you know with my friends when I was like six or seven or eight or nine years old, we would say, like, what are we going to do today? Like, ah, we're bored. Let's watch something. We're going to watch. Oh, let's watch Star Wars. <laughs> like, you're just going to watch Star Wars. Because why wouldn't you? Because <laughs> sure. what, what's better than Star Wars? <laughs> Not much, CJ. Not much. When you've got 15 VHS tapes to choose from and one of them is Star Wars, it's a good bet that's your best choice. Sure. So watch Star Wars very, very much when I was a kid. Um, and loved it, loved it, loved it. And um, the uh, episodes one, two, and three. Um, so I, I feel like this is probably a good segue into just sort of contextualizing, per- perhaps for people who are a little bit like you, or maybe even more so sort of not in the Star Wars camp, of which I am sure there are people in our uh, audience. I'm sure. Um, so if you, like CJ, were not raised on Star Wars, then you may not know exactly what's going on right now. Maybe you ha- have some idea, maybe the marketing from Disney has been good enough that you basically get the idea, or maybe you've gone back and watched all of them. Whatever whatever your situation is, we're just going to give you a really, really fast primer, and here it is. 1977, Star Wars gets released. 1980, Star Wars, uh, The Empire Strikes Back gets released. 1983, The Return of the Jedi gets released, and that's the original trilogy. Um, That's the Mark Hamill. That is the Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Carrie Carrie Fisher, Fisher, Star Wars, you know, C-3PO, R2-D2. Like, that is what Star Wars is. That's how it feels. Boba Fett is, uh, I think, introduced in Empire Strikes Back. So Boba Fett is also... People people love Boba Fett, man. People love people Boba Fett. Freaking love Boba I mean, Fett. Don't, isn't that kind of what the Mandalorian... Like, you know what I mean? It Mandalorian like, is, is, is basically it, like trying to give all the Bubble Fett fans what they wanted. Exactly. Anyway. <laughs> so anyway, uh, those three movies, 
happened in the late 70s and early 80s. And then um, fast forward all the way to the late 90s and early 2000s. And we get Star Wars episodes one, two, and three because George Lucas in his vast world-building wisdom decided after Star Wars A New Hope was released, back when it was just called Star Wars and it was just a movie that he had helped make or written and created and directed and helped whatever, uh, was a huge, massive blockbuster success. So naturally there was going to be a sequel. And then he was like, well, how about this? How about this is actually a trilogy of trilogies? And the first Star Wars movie is actually episode four in that trilogy of trilogies. So it's actually the first episode in the second trilogy it's crazy, actually. When you I think not, about, I did not realize that he had a plan for a him, trilogy of trilogies. Him getting away with that is one of the craziest stories. Seriously. So anyway, um, Star Wars: The Empire Strikes Back then was going to be Episode Five, and then Star Wars: The Return of the Jedi was going to be Episode Six, and they were labeled as such after they like when they got distributed into the world after they all, all three, three come out yeah they oh. were all three labeled as star wars episodes 4 5 and 6 for like a long time and then and then fast forward to the late late uh, 90s and early 2000s and george lucas decides to make the prequels so he makes the first trilogy in the star wars saga about primarily darth vader um or anakin skywalker Luke Skywalker's father. I barely want to talk about this because I don't care about the prequels. <laughs> I have been very vocal about not caring about them. They were received very mixedly, mostly negatively by um, was it was Star it Wars mixed? Fans. It was it was mixed because there are people who really love the prequels. Got it. Let me say this. It was mixed because there were people who will really defend the prequels. I don't know if anybody really loves them. I think lots of people, though, defend them because because the passionate love for Star Wars is so deep in our culture, and especially among Star Wars fans who have been caring for the franchise for many, many years, um, that when the prequels came out, by George Lucas, the god of the Star Wars universe, they couldn't help but defend those movies. And so there are still... Uh, apologists for the prequels. I am not among them. But anyway, so episodes one, two, and three getting released uh, in the late 90s, early early 2000s to uh, whatever and and, uh, taking their place in the canon. Um, They were not, I think, as successful as they needed to be to justify more effort in that space. So fast forward another 10 years. Disney buys the entire Star Wars franchise from... George Lucas, basically by buying Lucasfilm for yeah. like $2 billion or $8 billion. I don't remember. It was some, some huge number. Um, I believe it was four. It was probably $4 billion. I probably just undershot and then wildly overshot. Anyway, <laughs> $4 billion. They bought Lucasfilm so that they could resurrect the franchise. And the way that they did that first was by creating episode seven, which would be, if you know your numbers... The first in the third trilogy. <laughs> yes, the first so, uh, in the first movie in the last trilogy. Yes. So uh, we've so got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, which is where we land right now. Which is where we are right now. So we're talking about the Force Awakens, which is the and and by the way, here um, George Lucas had nothing to do with this movie. He just didn't. 
Well, because he, he sold because it. Because he sold the entire thing. Yeah. And so Disney said, here's $4 billion. Now get your hands off this thing. Yeah. We're going to take over from here. Yeah. And so they brought on J.J. Abrams. Which which makes sense. Because J.J. Yes. Abrams, uh, at this point, he had, I would say, successfully rebooted Star Trek. Yes. Which... Oh, yeah. Very successfully. Especially with that first movie. It was very, very successful. And J.J. Abrams is... Uh, one of the most dependable, huge franchise blockbuster direct writer directors there is in the business. Yeah. Like he is the safe choice. He is the man that you call to to treat your huge IP property right. Yeah. Also famously easy to work with. Yes. Very yes. pleasant. Which is very important, and we'll talk about very soon, uh, a little bit later in this episode. Okay. So. That's the context. Was that too much? Was no. that too long? No, no, no. That like... was I, no, no. That was great because okay. I, I needed that. Okay. Uh, which means that there are <laughs> probably other people who needed it as yes. well. Uh, though I know uh, probably majority of people are, are more well versed in Star Wars than I am. But which I feel like I betrayed because it was like opened up and I was like, "Hey guys, I'm your resident nerd. I'm like uh, for all your nerd." But needs. you're just you're, and then it was Star Wars and I'm like, "Guys, I don't know anything about Star, Star Wars, Wars." Isn't your isn't your cup? It's not it's not my. Cup. You're more of a comic book guy. More of a comic book. There guy. have been many many hundreds of comic books about in the Star Wars universe, but, to, but absolutely but, you're right. But you can't know about all comic <laughs> books. You got you got to <laughs> pick your battles. It's you know? true. Yeah. Uh, so this is, this is kind of a, a fascinating movie. And I remember like, as it was coming out, it was really an intriguing cultural situation where you had this phenomenon, right? There's probably no other film franchise as large and significant and impactful as Star Wars, um, especially up until this point with The Force Awakens. And so, and, and it, but it like hadn't been, it hadn't been, they hadn't made a new movie in a, in a while. And the movies that were the most recent from this franchise were like, meh, just okay. But it was like this really weird kind of cultural moment that we had where it was, okay, guys, blank slate. J.J. Abrams, backed by Disney, is going to basically reboot and add on to the movies that you love. It's so far away story-wise. It's so far away from the prequels. They don't even matter. <laughs> Just remember what you love, the things that you love. Yeah. Uh, and then we're going to add on to that with one of the most reliable filmmakers currently working. Uh, yeah. Get ready. Yeah. And I remember thinking, holy crap, this movie's gonna, it's gonna make so much money. It broke Fandango in it, pre-sale. It did, yeah. I mean, this this was, the hype was so, it was enormous. So big. And for those of us who were into it. <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't even imagine. You can't imagine, it CJ. Would, you cannot imagine. It would be, it would be. It would be for me Marvel all of a sudden doing a bunch of bad movies and then stopping for, for 30, thirty years, years. <laughs> and then coming back. I can't even to add on to the world. I I don't even I don't even get it. Like I can't imagine the 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 emotions that you were feeling as that little boy it's, inside of you it's just pretty exploded. Amazing. It's pretty amazing. Uh, here's here's a here's the truth. Okay, so. This is a this is a context for seeing the Force Awakens and CJ. I'm going to have you go first. How did you see the Force Awakens? <laughs> it's embarrassing. I don't want to tell you. I but I want you to tell me, um, and, and I venture to say our listeners want you to tell me. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I was driving. You watched it on your phone while you were driving. No, no. <laughs> no, no. What, uh, what happened was I was driving from Utah to Canada. And uh, by the time I got around to purchasing tickets, they were sold out. Uh, and I was like, you know what? The day that it releases, I'm driving from Utah to Canada. I'm going to find like a podunk town where no one, where there's just nobody going to the theater. Find a theater, get tickets, stop halfway up, see the movie, continue my drive. So that's what I did. I love that story. Oh, good. That's <laughs> wonderful. So I yeah. mean, it is the opposite of my story. <laughs> I saw it like somewhere in just podunk idaho like northern idaho uh in a very small theater although it was still was quite packed uh and uh and with my wife and that that was it what was your story uh, i also saw it with my wife who is a huge huge star wars fan yeah she is she's like me she grew up with the movies she watched them to death um they you guys her- watch the originals every year uh, not like every year, but like yeah, we I mean we've seen them a lot, and like even in our, our adult adulthood, I would say that my the pace of me watching Star like rewatching Star Wars movies drastically reduced once I was like in high school. Like I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't like go back and rewatch them all the time. I wasn't like that kind of Star Wars fan, but like I loved them. I loved them very very much, and I remember an experience of watching like a, a remastered version. Um, at somebody's house, like on a projector in like in college. And it was this like kind of emotional experience for me because I realized that I hadn't watched those movies since I was much younger than Luke. Mm. And now I was watching it and I was like <laughs> basically the same age or older than Luke. And I was like, oh, this is weird. <laughs> like, uh, it was a very, it was a very interesting experience for me. But anyway, um, so, so yeah, Carly and I, we want, we were, I mean, we were very excited <laughs> for this movie we were very 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 excited the previews were also very good and jj abrams was very reliable um and i we got our tickets months in advance um we got seats at the imax at universal city walk which is like one of the best imaxes in the country and like we were prepared (laughs) for this movie and we went to see it um so the funny thing about this circumstance was that Immediately after the movie, we drove to Seattle. Oh, so wow. similarly, yeah. <laughs> it was a day of travel because because this is holidays. Like, yeah, it's holidays. And, and that year we were we were going to spend a couple of weeks in, in Washington with Carly's family um, during the holidays. And so uh, we were that was the day that we needed like that that fell on that day that we needed to start driving. And this is before we had a child, so things were much easier in terms of planning. <laughs> but we had uh, but we had our tickets and we knew like we had planned this all in advance. We knew that we were going to go see the movie and then we were going to leave the theater and basically start driving. Um, and so it was like the last day that we were going to be in Los Angeles in 2015. And, uh, and then it was going to be like this big holiday break. So it really felt sort of like putting a bookend on the year. Yeah. <laughs> like this was the most, it was like the most important thing that we did that year. <laughs> it's like going to see star Wars, the force, to, the force awakens. Um, and yeah, I mean, we were, I mean, it was, it was, it was a, it was a wonderful experience. Um, I, you know, it was one of those experiences that gets better with time, mm-hmm. like in my memory, yeah, totally. like where at the time it's like, once you, once you're like experiencing it, you're like, oh, this is, 
this is really great, but you're like, I mean, the anticipation was so huge that like it was just a th- it was just a movie. Yeah, it wasn't like you know, it wasn't like I had like a transportive spiritual experience where like I saw the face of God. George Lucas didn't show up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, which uh, anyway, that's a bad joke actually. Uh, point is, uh, in in the retelling and in the reliving of that memory, like it has gotten even better because I do love I I do love this movie. Spoiler alert: I love The Force Awakens. I think it's a wonderful film, and it was a it was a really great experience. And uh, and yeah, I I mean honestly, the the first you know leg of our drive was all you know Carly sure. and I just sort of just like talking, talking about, about it, the yeah. movie and just like, I was gonna say it's actually a great idea because yeah. you two could just oh, chat yeah. away and just like sitting in the experience and and honestly most mostly just like mostly just like sort of like sitting in the gratitude that like this franchise that we loved so much is alive again that had been resurrected yeah and that and that in our lifetimes yeah. as like young adults we got to go to the theater yeah. and watch a Star Wars movie. Like, a Star Wars movie that was, like, that that felt like a Star Wars movie. Because we'd seen the prequels in the theaters and, like, yeah. you know, that whole thing had happened to us. And we had had a similar reaction to most people, which was, like, uh, I, don't really, I don't really like it. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. And um, and so we kind of forgot about it. But, like, the, but the way that we felt about the original trilogy, like, being able to go to the theater... And what it felt like was connecting with the audiences that went to see the first Star Wars movie way back when. Mm. Um, and the first thing that I want to say, first of all, because uh, I want to, if, if, if you're okay with this, CJ. Go ahead, I would like man. to start this nerding out about some please, of. Please do. I would like to start nerding about, about some of the specific things about Star Wars. There's a lot that I could, and we have limited time, so I'm not going to, like, be very thorough. But there's one specific thing that I wanted to, to sort of put a cherry on this this rant about my experience of watching this movie for the first time. Um, uh, so spoiler alert from this point forward, if you haven't seen this movie yet and you plan to before rise of Skywalker, stop listening, go watch it and come back. Okay. So in star Wars, the force awakens, there is a moment, um, where, uh, at the near the end of the movie, like what the climactic scene, basically, um, wait a minute. I'm just about to ruin. I'm just about to ruin this. Okay, don't mind. Scratch it. Whoa! I was actually thinking Whoa. about. I was actually thinking about a scene from the Last Jedi. Uh, okay. Scratch it. Go back. Okay. Scratch it. Go back. Okay. Um, there's another. There's another scene. Sorry, I was just. I was like calling up the wrong scene. Anyway, there's another. There's a scene in The Force Awakens where um, Domhnall Gleeson, who is wonderful, I love him, <laughs> just absolutely like legitimately one of my favorite actors alive today um it, it, he is giving this like nazi-esque speech to the stormtroopers yeah. and the entire like empire force um and behind him like there is the cannon the business end of a planet-sized <laughs> weapon um and and he's you know whatever and then there's this thing and it you know it shoots this thing and whatever um that like a couple of those images were so vast and grand that like they felt fresh and new and like amazing in a way that like cinema should be, you know, and and it, it I don't think it was quite the same as audiences' experiences in 1977 seeing Star Wars for the first time, but I also don't think that it was like it, it was it was related. It was like a cousin of that. Yeah. And so the 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 way that we felt connected to the 1977 audiences 
being able to show up in droves, being able to be part of this cultural moment where this giant movie comes out that everybody is talking about, everybody has been talking about, and it's been sold, it's sold out. There's lines around the block, except not really because all theaters are reserved seating now. But anyway, the point is we were there having this experience and the movie itself was delivering some experiences that felt similarly fresh and vital to us as an audience, as, I, as, as what must have happened to that 1977 audience when they saw the opening scroll and the freaking Star Destroyer was like going over their heads and it wouldn't stop because it was so big mm-hmm. and everyone's just like losing their minds about how <laughs> crazy, what is this movie that we're watching? And that, that thing, that thing, that, 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 it just it's it's a it's like a timeless sort of generational thing, like wanting to be part of that, and that is what our experience of the Force Awakens was was being able to feel like we got to be part of that for at least a little while. That's cool. That's really really cool. Uh, I I want to highlight uh, the strengths of J.J. Abrams as the, with a segue of that. One of the reasons that I was excited that J.J. Abrams was taking this franchise on was because he has an ability to mimic other filmmakers really, really well. And in a way that isn't pandering or annoying or uh, or like in, in an impression that that rubs you the wrong way, like, oh, you're you're just you're just trying to be Steven Spielberg. If you've seen Super 8, it's a really good example of this, right? It feels it feels more Spielberg than Spielberg. Totally. Yeah. Uh, and and so I I remember in the theater looking at The Force Awakens and the little things, right? The the transitions. The Star Wars film film transitions are are very unique to Star Wars, and they've stuck yeah. around because they're so iconic. J.J. Uh, Abrams has the ability to do that. And one of the strengths and one of, I mean, the reason that Star Wars is as big of a phenomenon as it is, is because it is a world. So when you go see this, uh, you ex- you dive into the, the, the TV screen, the projector screen is just a doorway into this vast universe that you get to partake in and you get to be in. And J.J. Abrams did not miss out on that. Uh, he had a lot of wide shots that was just landscape and different planets and little things that are like... Uh, from a new hope where it's uh, a landscape that looks kind of familiar, but there's two moons or two suns. Yeah. Uh, JJ Abrams played with all of that, which was, it, it was a, it was a really strong move that could have potentially been, uh, like rub you the wrong way in the, in, in the way that's like, Oh, you're trying to be something that you're not. It wasn't that at all. It was this, he's entering this filmmaking universe that he belongs in. Uh, and so I, I think that the experience that you had was because of that strength of J.J. Abrams. Absolutely, absolutely. I want to, <clears throat> I want to specifically call out J.J. Um, Abrams's skill as a as a man who seems to be able to pull off the impossible. And the impossible task that he was given was satisfy the enormous fan base of Star Wars, (laughs) but also make it accessible and exciting for people who do not give a crap about Star Wars. That is immensely hard to do. I mean, every every person who comes in to try to do a franchise movie um, comes in to try to do it, has that task. Like, satisfy the fans, satisfy the not fans. That's, That's your job. But with Star Wars, there is this 
vast catalog of material that already exists and people's commitment to that material is a mystery. You don't know. I mean, everybody comes to the table with different desires and expectations. You know, every Star Wars fan has their idea of what a good Star Wars movie should be. And they're all, there's so many different versions. There's a huge, ridiculous number of different versions. And because there's so much Star Wars material out there, there's also, you could legitimize, you, you can find concrete legitimacy in 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 your version you'd be like well i think star wars should be like this because of and then just cite what you pick cherry pick your thing from the star wars universe that proves you right and you can do that so how do you take how do you do that how do you be jj abrams and yeah. say i have to create a new story with characters that everybody knows and loves deeply and like somehow carry them into and introduce new characters and it's like it was so it was such a huge task so one of the things that he did was decide to make it very, very similar to A New Hope. Which a lot of people, this was confusing for me after I saw this movie because because uh, uh, I, I noticed it. I was yeah. like, oh, look, the new R2-D2. Yeah. Oh, look, the next the new Han Solo. Yeah. Like, I, I recognize those Oh, look, Rey is from the desert. Totally. And she's yeah. an orphan. Totally. It's, <laughs> it's, and uh, I, I remember in the theater thinking, that's a... That's a great idea. Like that's that makes perfect sense because I am you're reintroducing people into this world and I need to be reintroduced. Yeah. Uh, I need to kind of have that refresher. Uh, but then when I left and I, you know, got online and all the trolls were out there, like people hate people a lot of people didn't like that move. And like l- let me just say, I'm probably talking about the minority. Like yeah. I think the You're minority, talking about the vocal minority, the vocal minority. Yeah. So I understand that, but I think that their uh, their their voice has kind of infected more. Like I think a lot of a lot more people had a pleasant experience watching the movie than it, they admit now after being infected by the voice of the naysayers. Yeah, there, there was a, there was a lot of bandwagoning about like. Here's my favorite. It was thing. like cool not to like it. Yeah, yeah. J.J. Yeah. Abrams just aped on the original. How lazy! I'm like, I'm sorry. Do you think that this guy yeah. who has more experience doing this kind of thing than most other filmmakers combined at <laughs> yeah. this point, like, and also is famously one of the hardest working, smartest storytellers there are working in Hollywood? Do you think that he just didn't have ideas yeah. <laughs> and therefore thought, well, I bet no one will notice if I just rewrite a new yeah. hope, yeah. like? Can you imagine the kind of like blind idiocy that it takes to believe that J.J. Abrams is stupid and that's why he made that decision? Like, I want, like, here's the thing. I was disappointed that the giant weapon was a planet-sized, like, planet destroyer. I was like, we saw that already. I was, I've... I was disappointed because because I was a diehard Star Wars fan, not diehard Star Wars. I was a huge Star Wars fan, huge fan of the original. I wanted to see something fresh. I wanted I wanted lots of things, and what I didn't necessarily want was to see something that was incredibly familiar from the first movies. But if I am giving J.J. Abrams and his creative team a modicum of respect, I have to then question why he did that. Yeah. And if I just take the time to ask the question, it makes a huge amount of sense and it actually is an incredibly smart move and it really accomplishes exactly what he wants it to accomplish therefore i'm the guy that needs to get on board i'm the guy that needs yeah. to go back and kind of and and tr- and try to allow to essentially watch the movie on its own terms because that's what you got to do for any movie yeah. you got to say what is this movie trying to do go to the movie watch it 
on its terms and see what your experience is. And on its own terms, it's wonderful. It's fantastic. Yeah. But you have to ask that question. If you're like me, if you're a Star Wars fan, if you are confused and upset by a rehashing of images and ideas from the original trilogy, just ask the question and think about it for a second. And it turns out to be really rewarding. It's also, it. I, I would hope that it is rewarding because <clears throat> there's, okay, this goes back to our nerd hate episodes, uh, <laughs> but there, it, it should be if you love something so dearly. One of the first things that you do when you taste listen to, witness, watch something that you love, one of the first things that you want to do is share it with other people. Yeah. Right? Uh, this this movie, uh, Star, Star Wars The Force Awakens, for me, as a not huge Star Wars fan, before this movie, I thought about Star Wars maybe once a year. Like, I just, <laughs> it was not in my reality at all. Now it is. And it is because it was reintroduced to me modernly with The Force Awakens. So now, all of you diehard Star Wars fans, when you're at a party, guess what? I'm happy to talk to you about Star Wars. Before this movie, I wasn't. I had nothing to say. <laughs> now I do. So I have at least at least a little bit have joined you on that side of fandom. So, and I think that this movie, the it's constructed the way that it is. Uh, so that that happens. Obviously, that means that they get my money more often. Yeah. And that's the that's the overarching goal, and J.J. Abrams did a great job. But creatively, he did a great job to widen the net so that we can join in this Star Wars fandom. Guess what? I'm going to go see The Rise of Skywalker the Thursday night that it opens. There's a showing at 6. I'm going at 7. Okay? <laughs> I'm one of the first people that are there because I enjoy these movies now. And it's because of this reintroduction into the world. Yeah, I, a hundred percent, yes. And the thing is, too, that if you dig in a little bit, um, and once again give that modicum of generosity to the storyteller, and ask the question, why? Why would this be the case? Even get into the world and think about it from story logic, from a story logic perspective. Yeah. And it actually ends up being pretty, pretty rewarding. Think about it. The First Order slash reboot of the Empire. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do megalomania, mega, megalomania, maniacal, man, megalomaniacal. Yeah, sure. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> That's was that, I'm, I'm glad good. you like that. That was pretty good. That's pretty <laughs> phenomenal. <laughs> that was pretty great. Um, what do megalomaniacs do when they're trying to one-up each other? They just make bigger things. <laughs> they just make a bigger thing. So, like, if you look at Dom, Domhnall Gleeson's character, right? Yeah. He's just this, he's this red-headed, <laughs> like, power-hungry crazy guy he probably was the redheaded stepchild absolutely just looking for yeah. attention oh i love it i love his and like his sort of like snide insecure <laughs> like what is this guy gonna do with his power yeah he's gonna be like we're gonna build the biggest <laughs> weapon the universe has ever seen and they were like dude we did that it was called the death star and it got blown up and he's like no <laughs> Bigger, like way bigger. That thing was the size of a moon. Ours is going to be a whole freaking planet. And guess what? We can just use a planet that already exists. 
We'll just put a weapon in it. It's going to be huge. How? And then we'll eat a star with it. And that is how I'm going to prove to the emperor slash whatever that guy is. Snoke. To Snoke that I am the shiz. And that, like, what I love about that is that it feels perfectly in line with with the personality of the bad guys in Star Wars movies who are like lockstep stormtrooper uniform wearing yeah, like yeah. brain dead power hungry maniacs they are people who do not who are not smart and creative they are people who think that the best way to win is to be much much huger and that's it yeah like we got more people we got bigger start spaceships and we use the force more violently. Like, I mean, that's it. That's it, the yeah, whole thing. It's what, the whole game. The, the whole uh, enticing attribute of the dark side is is power. Yeah. Right? It's just more power. Yeah. Being stronger. way bigger, yeah. way stronger. Yeah. So if you are trying to one-up your your forebears who got their Death Stars blowed up, yeah. what are you going to do? Well, you're going to build a bigger one is what you're going to do. Yeah. It's the same mentality that got us the Titanic. Like, yeah. <laughs> sometimes our ships get broken in the sea. What do we do? Well, you got to build a bigger one. <laughs> Obviously. Like, what's, what's the matter with you? This yeah. is a simple problem. It's a simple solution. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, like. The filmmakers behind Fast and the Furious fall for the a- same thing. Absolutely. Let's make it bigger. <laughs> Obviously, it needs to be bigger. What's the biggest vehicle we haven't done yet? Yeah. The next Fast and Furious movie is going to be in space. Yeah. We all know it. <laughs> We're just waiting. <laughs> So it's the it's so so it really it really does work. It's really actually quite elegant if you think about it. Because not only does he uh, get away with putting together some story logic that is, I think, really rewarding and cool, but also he gets to essentially reintroduce images that are so iconic from the original trilogy. A Death Star is a big part of why Star Wars is Star Wars. Totally. A, the whole concept was mind-blowing. Yes, yeah. absolutely. A bad guy wearing a black mask in a black suit, mm-hmm. wielding the Force violently and fearsomely, is a big part of what makes Star Wars Star Wars. A person, uh, an orphan from the desert, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. this all feels right, and it feels true. And uh, it it also, it, 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 uh, within the story itself, it is he does a great job of earning those things. Like they feel right. They feel like the appropriate. They feel natural, like natural extensions of the story that we're familiar with. Like fast forward 35 years. What do we see all this? Why? Because of this and this and this I'm in great. It actually cool. makes sense to me. A plus B equals C. Absolutely. So uh, I'm curious about your take. Cause I've heard a lot of the, uh, kind of one topic that keeps coming up as a rebuttal to, uh, I knew right when I knew this movie was going to go downhill and it's nearly always all the time. Poe at the very beginning, Poe making the joke. Uh, okay. So Kylo Ren has come with his people to the village and blown up the village, capture Poe and Poe is like handcuffed looking at Kylo Ren and Kylo Ren is just sitting there and Poe says, so, so what do do I talk first or do you talk first? And a lot of, I've heard this probably seven times that they they were like, Oh, it just didn't land for me. And I just, I just, I knew that it was going to go downhill from there. 
they're just they're wrong. They're is just that, wrong. You're just shaking your head. No, no, it's it, it, that. So that's so easy. That's so easy. You know what? You know what's happening in that moment? Those people are taking the movies and themselves way too seriously. Mm. And I would argue if you go back and watch the original trilogy, there's a lot more humor than you thought. Like they are comedies. They're like space action oh, yeah, comedies, a t- especially they, with Han. Yeah, yeah. The one of the first. Lines in the first Star Wars movie is from freaking C-3PO being dumb. Like that's that that is what these movies are. Yeah. Like that's totally what these movies are. And so, like, if you fail to remember because you care so deeply about this franchise, you fail to remember that they that they don't even take themselves as seriously as you do. Then you then you have essentially done them a great disservice. I thought that that line was hysterical. I was like so grateful too because. Because the worst thing this movie could have been was too serious. Mm. The worst thing this movie could have done was was like fail to del- deliver any comedy. But thank goodness Poe does a great job of being a rebooted Han Solo. Yeah. Thank goodness um, the uh, uh, shoot um, stormtrooper. What is his name? Uh, Finn. 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 I was like, I was trying to remember like FN two six. I was like, what is this? <laughs> Finn. Uh, thank goodness Finn is so incredibly charming and funny. Like, thank goodness, because without that, you don't have a Star Wars movie. Yeah. What you have is a self-serious, like, boring, doldrums, like, sci-fi actioner that wants mm. to be a bigger deal than it is. Mm. But because of the comedy, it what it does is it allows you to feel a lot more dramatic tension in the stuff that is dramatic. Like, the fact that Poe breaks the tension with the joke and then immediately afterward kylo ren is scary (laughs) like that's great like that's exactly what you want from that that's the whole that's the way that you get the tone right in these movies Hmm. so i mean people saying it didn't land for them it means to me it means that they went in expecting something other than a star wars movie and that, yeah, and that makes perfect sense. I so when I I rewatched uh, the Force Awakens recently, uh, it was actually man, here's here's a good example of adding to the worlds introduces you through multiple different angles. Uh, the Mandalorian, my wife has fallen hard for the Mandalorian, oh, yeah. and we'll watch an episode and then she'll say, "I want to watch, I want more, I want." And so we went back and watched the Force Awakens <laughs> because of the Mandalorian and the Force Awakens. Um, uh, when that ended, I was like, man, I was like, that's, that is a good movie. And I, I know a lot of people disagree with me, but I really like Kylo Ren as a bad guy. I really, really like. The, oh, okay. yes. I, I really so like. So we've been having were, a lot of meta conversation about this movie, but if we can actually talk about the movie. Yes. yes. Kylo Ren is a wonderful villain. Yeah. A wonderful, wonderful villain. A villain that is Better than any villain we got in the original trilogy. He is so good. Continue. Sorry. Uh, So, because the reason, one of the reasons that I love him so much, and it made him just, for me, a a more relatable than than Vader, because I didn't know, especially when you watch, like, just the original, I don't know Vader. I don't know. He's just a guy in a black mask. I don't know him at all. And then, yes, there's the reveal, the father. Oh, wow. Freaking, that's cool. But this one is Kylo Ren immediately, uh throws a tantrum yeah and you're like oh it is so fast i was like you're you're just you're just a a power hungry like kid you're very you're you're the kind of the opposite of ray in one way and opposite of 
Han in another way and the opposite of Luke in another way. He's kind of the antithesis of all of these characters because he's just a power-hungry, incredibly powerful Jedi that is so immature and thinks that he's not. And that's what makes him so yeah. dangerous. Yeah. I I loved it. I love also Kylo Ren. I, also the cool factor. Yeah, is there? It's yeah. very much there. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and my nephews will agree with me on that. <laughs> I know they will. They're all about Kylo Ren. Here's the here's the beautiful thing about Kylo Ren. If you are a kid or a young adult and you are watching Kylo Ren, you are thinking that guy is badass. <laughs> totally. uh, that guy is b- about as cool as it gets. Every little boy and, wants to be the bad I, guy. Yeah, and, and Adam Driver, him. Adam Driver is like well, Adam Driver's amazing. He's He's and any, anybody who doesn't think Adam Driver's a good actor doesn't actually know what good acting is <laughs> at all. I I'm agree. sorry. Like, go home. Don't even watch movies anymore. <laughs> I know that's a hot take. I'm sticking by it. Yeah. He's fantastic. Anyway, um, so so if you're below a certain age, you're looking at Kylo Ren and thinking, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> I want that mask. I want his oh, cloak. Crazy cool cross <laughs> lightsaber. Yeah. I want the cloak. I'm going to... I'm going to slice people. It's going to be amazing. Um, and if you are older than a certain age, you look at Kylo Ren and you think, you poor dear. Yeah. You, you don't have, you are such a benighted soul. You are such an immature teenage kid. Soul, like yeah. you need so much mothering and like you just, you just need a hug. You need all kinds of stuff. And you are also just like, you're just kind of a crappy dude. Yeah. And like, I, I, you know, whatever, you know, you know who he is. Yeah. And like it, he, he comes so fully formed in this movie and, um, his art is so powerful and nuanced and, and hard. Yeah. Like the, the inner battle of like trying to fully commit to evil. Right. But like to, to, to the dark side, to whatever, like to this grand philosophy that is essentially just this flower, this blossoming, blossoming, blossoming of immaturity. Like this guy is, uh, deeply immature, completely self-involved and doesn't, and, and, and 100% locked into his own, um, uh, solipsistic, narcissistic, like philosophies he doesn't even really understand the dark side of the force yeah he just thinks he does it's and it makes perfect sense like when you think about the character in this world and in this story you have the elite of skywalker blood with the immaturity of han solo when he was so young yeah that's essentially the mixture that you have and it makes perfect sense yeah the the decision like who kylo ren is like obviously there's a good there's a good side like elite yeah. Skywalker blood with like the honor of Solo yeah. and you know well, but we're gonna is, talk about we're gonna talk about the last Jedi uh, in a couple of days and I'm once again could not overexpress how excited I am um, but there's a lot there's a lot to unpack with his character and what we get in the Force Awakens and to to, to tie a little bow on this um, is what we get is a cast of incredibly good characters. And J.J. Abrams, in interviews even, has expressed his goal for this movie was not to tell an incredibly fresh story. His goal was to introduce a new, young cast of characters that could carry 
future stories. Mm. And so what he did was he borrowed a lot of imagery and narrative beats from the old, from the, from A New Hope, which worked so well. He brought new characters into it. He brought Kylo Ren. He brought Rey. He brought Finn. He brought Poe. He brought, you know, the great uh, BB-8 and everything else. He brought these characters in and he said, here is, uh, here is a new cast. Here are new characters. Here's who they are. Um, do you like them? Like, do they work? Like, I think that the, I think you'll like these guys. Yeah. And it turns out by the end of the movie, yes, they're amazing. Yeah. Mission accomplished. You don't need a fresh story right now because next movie and next couple of movies, we get really fresh stories with characters that we know we love and we want to see what's going to happen to them and what they're going to do. And so with Kylo Ren and all the rest of them, um, well, the the biggest, most wonderful thing at the end of the movie is knowing that we're going to see these characters continue to grow and learn in the next couple of movies. And Kylo Ren, specifically, being a fantastic villain who is, has all, I mean, he changes in the first movie, he has an arc. But you also know at the end of the first movie, he's There's far from done. Yeah, he's totally. far from done. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about Ray for a second. Ray. Oh, <laughs> Daisy Ridley for the win. My gosh. How wonderful is yeah. she? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I just want to hear your take on Ray. I'm, I'm quite curious. I think she big, is. Big, big shoes to fill, right? Like she is the yeah. new Luke Skywalker. Here's, okay, so I love this too because like if you go back and like read how – um, the casting went for each character. So for for Luke Skywalker, they they you know they read hundreds or thousands of people for the for those characters. They they landed on like the original. For, yeah, oh, they God. landed on the Han Solo or they you know Harrison Ford, Mark Hamill, um, Carrie Fisher. Like they cast that movie so well, and obviously, obviously these those movies would not have worked the way they did without those three. Like yeah. they are. Fantastic. And the charisma between all three yeah. of them. It's Mark wild. Hamill is a, uh, like, Mark Hamill also, uh, I think underrated as an actor. Like, uh, the guy the guy did a, a huge feat from beginning of, you know, the trilogy to the end of the trilogy. Like, he is just an amazing actor. And that's, char- I love, love Luke Skywalker, who I'm also excited to talk about in Last not, Jedi. Not to mention his voice acting is bonkers. Yeah, too. his voice acting is fantastic. Um, but, uh, so, Ray. Um, Daisy Ridley as Ray needs to be that she need not that not a carbon copy, but like she needs to bring this kind of um, we, we need to see a character who goes through a massive arc. We need to see a character who changes immensely from the beginning of the first movie to the end of the third from movie. Far- farm boy to Jedi master. Exactly. Yeah. And here we have uh, lo- desert loner orphan girl yeah. to Jedi master. And, but, kind of, and a kind of a codependent on, you know, a delusional. No one's there, but she believes that they are. Yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of yeah, desperate, huge way. abandonment issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all, all yeah. sorts she's, of. Issues. She's got yeah. She's got all these issues. She's she's canny and competent. She's also she's obviously strong and smart. Like she has these like raw good qualities, but very, very uh, emotionally unformed. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. like, you know, doesn't know how to really relate to other people. Doesn't really, you know, the, 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 the I love the antisocial angle. She really doesn't know how to relate to other people. And like, she doesn't really trust anybody. Cause why would she? And like all these, all these issues that like have to be sort of gotten past or, or worked through in order to find, um, 
herself as a as a warrior, as a savior, as a as a person who's going to carry the torch for the Force, for the light side of the Force. This yeah. Jedi Order that is like gone, and she is now needs to be a Jedi. Like there's so much in there, and she is so good. She is so good at both. Um, delivering all of that natural sort of raw strength with the vulnerability of someone who uh, is terrified at the prospect of interconnection with other human beings and um, other people in general and like and her own responsibilities and her own um, destiny, right? Like what she's meant for. I love the scene where she winds up with Luke's lightsaber because that scene, more than anything, reveals who she is as a person and how, like, what she needs and what, and how she is flawed and broken and what we'll need to see her overcome over the course of the next couple of movies to really become the the kind of Jedi and hero that she is meant to be. Um, she's yeah, she's fantastic. Yeah. I love I love her. Some something <laughs> when when I think about Ray, something that uh, I pay close attention to is how they decided to have her relate to the other characters. Uh, really, it's only two. Yeah, uh, BB-8. You know. Yeah, is, well, BB-8 is, is a there. Pet. BB-8 is a dog. Yeah, it's a, yeah, yeah, a lost it's a puppy. Yeah. Um, but the but it's Finn. Mm-hmm. And it's Han. Yeah. Right? Yep. Uh, it's it's not till the end of The Last Jedi that I realized, like, oh, her and Poe haven't really met before. Yeah. And so it was, yeah, and they meet the the end of that one. But it's uh, uh, it's how she relates to Finn and how she relates to Han. And uh, it's, it's and I want to have this transition into uh, Han and how well, and they dealt Chewy. with him. <laughs> and Chewie. Uh, Who but, is Han's dog. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's, it's fascinating because you have Han who has obviously gone through this huge change, right? And there's that, there's that moment of him saying, and they, they put it in the trailer because it was a giant exclamation point on the arc of Han Solo of him saying, no, it's real. It's all the force is real. It's all real. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and her ability to connect with him, and then you it it was it was it's great what they did because it was right for her attaching herself to a father figure immediately, and him trying to feel fill the void of a missing child immediately, and their connection, uh, and and I, I just. The dynamics there uh, seemed really smart and well thought through. And, like, again, if you're going to go back to J.J. Abrams didn't have any good ideas. No, very obviously he did. <laughs> yeah. Because that is, that is ripe. Uh, so I want to know how Han Solo, this character that means so much to you, the person that you wanted to be, you wanted <laughs> to dress up like you wanted to act like you want to be Han Solo. You want to grow up to be the guy that can pull off the I love you, I know, line. <laughs> you want to be this dude. And they bring him back with Chewie for this movie. How do they do for oh, it's, you? It's perfect. It's perfect. It's perfect. It really, No, it really is perfect. Like, uh, you know, like... This is this is one of the reasons I love Abrams and I love the I, I love how carefully and respectfully he treats the art of especially writing character. I actually don't know if there are very many like big blockbuster directors that handle character as well as he does. He sometimes has a little bit of trouble with like third acts in terms of like just story construction, but character he's so strong 
all of his movies, all of his movies, one of the defining strengths of his movies is really good character. And in this case, he takes Han Solo and he says, okay, here's who he is in the original trilogy. That's all we have. We have these three movies. We get to see how he's grown, how he's developed, his relationship with Leia, his relationship with Luke, his relationship with himself. Where is he at the end of those movies? Who is that person? Okay, it's 35 years later. What 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 could he be? Who he who might he be? Crucially, you also have to ask, who do people expect him to be? Yeah. yeah. Who, who what do people want to see from Han Solo? Cuz you really don't want to you don't want to bring him on screen and ha- and have him be 35 years later, he's a totally different person, which often sometimes people do become yeah. totally different people. He's a stay-at-home dad. Yes. Yeah. So you have to you have to you have to see Han Solo in him, but he can't just be Han Solo. He can't just be like the same exact character, like, oh, there he is, at it again. You know, like he has to be more than that. He has to be a lot more than he has to be 35 years more of Han Solo. And so to bring him back with Chewie. And, like, show him in this state where it's almost like a, it's almost like a bittersweet, like, like a, uh, what am I trying to say? It's like a, do you, like, almost like a contemptuous fan service. Mm. Like, Mm. he's back with the Millennium Falcon. Like, he's back being a smuggler. Like, aren't you happy? Look how happy he is. (laughs) You know? It's like... How awful would it be to wind up there? And we feel that. Like, yeah. so, yes, it's delightful to see him back with Chewie, to see him with Chewie, which, I mean, not that he and Chewie would have stopped being friends, but, like, to see him and Chewie wind up back on the Millennium Falcon, to see that he's, like, doing the smuggler thing, and it's, like, so clear that this absolutely, yes, he passes the litmus test. He is Han Solo, obviously. Yeah. yeah. But also there's an immense tragedy behind him now. And, like, that reads. So not only do we get, like, an obvious, like, sort of, uh, you know, stamp of approval, this is Han Solo, I believe this, like, I have, you know, I've done the gold test, like, he is, it's genuine, but also, he's a lot more than that now. He's 35 years more of that. He's a huge family tragedy more than that. He is um, back in his old lifestyle, sort of reluctantly, sort of as a failure, more than Han yeah. Solo, and I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm blown away by what Abrams um, accomplished with his character in so little time, too. In like one scene, you get all of that. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. I, you'll, you'll have to remind me how the uh, Return of the Jedi what ended, but the, the fact that he takes. that J.J. Abrams takes these, these wonderful, just. Iconic, the definition of iconic characters with uh, Princess Leia and Han Solo. And fast forwards 30 years, the the knee-jerk reaction would be, oh, they're together. Sure. Right? That, that's, that would... It feels like the safe bet. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, because people want to see that. They want to yeah. see those two together. They want to see a happy. Ha- they want to see a happily ever after. Totally. Because that's what we were promised at the end of Return of the Jedi. A happily ever after. That's what it felt like. But those and then two, for thirty years there were no movies. So why? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. It's a happily not? ever after. But those. But Han Solo, inherently as a character, is going to be a very, very very difficult person to be with forever. 
right? Yes. Like that's like inherent. Yeah. Like who the character is, it's gonna be. He's not gonna stay in the same place for very long. He's gonna have insecurities. He's gonna be scared. He's gonna be selfish. He's gonna be selfish, and just all of those qualities, especially put together, is not gonna make for a great husband. Or really, sorry guys, Han Solo was probably a pretty bad dad. <laughs> Uh, and, yeah. and yes, kids have the, you know, they choose for themselves, but I'm sure that Solo wasn't the best, but I love that, that it was a little, not incredibly risky, but a little bit risky to take on Solo because yes, they did bring him back. He is almost, it's the exact same character with 35, 30 years of, of depth. Yeah, that, that wasn't there of before. like real human baggage. Yeah, and who better to pull that off than Harrison Ford? Oh, yeah. Like, his ability to be heavy. And when he says it's all true, the reason it can be iconic and live in infamy is because it is Harrison Ford saying it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, in the interactions between him and Carrie Fisher and their acting together was great. <laughs> And then, yeah, anyway, I, okay, okay, okay. So, his death. Yeah. Yep. One, was it emotional? Yes. Two, uh, right choice? Yes. Why? Oh, absolutely. So, okay. Um, oh, man. I love everything about Han Solo getting killed at the end of the first movie. I love everything about it. Um, it's going to be hard for me to summarize, um, so I will try to take a couple of key points. First of all, uh, very, very, very important to Kylo Ren's arc. Very important. So Kylo Ren needs to have a real significant, dramatic choice to make. And we have been presented with a character who is having a deep violent inner battle over good and evil, over selfishness and selflessness, over love and hate, or whatever you want to call it. And he is feels driven to commit to darkness. And so what better way to do that than to kill his own father, right? Okay, great. So for Kylo Ren, it's necessary for him to at least try. And if he had, if he had, if he had like wimped out of it at the end, if he had not done it, if there had been some other thing, then guess what? You no longer have a character that can carry us through two more movies. Yeah. So, first of all, Kylo Ren needed to do that because, boy, is that a great way to set up a character that's going to be either hard or impossible to redeem for the next two movies. I have a lot of, I know a lot of people who have a, a real problem with that scene because they're like, well, now Kylo, Kylo Ren is irredeemable. I'm like, let's see. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That's, that's what you're supposed to think. Yeah. That's how it's supposed to feel. Um, and so watching watching that scene for that reason is hugely important. Han Solo himself, what does he need to do? What is his what is the most important thing Han Solo can do for two for in in two dimensions or at least two dimensions, probably more than that, but let's say two dimensions. Dimension 1 for his son. Right? Yeah. For his son, who, as you mentioned, he probably wasn't the best father. Yeah. Like, maybe he was good, maybe he was bad, maybe he was whatever, but, like, what's the most important thing a father can do for a son? Is give themselves to them. Like, how do I, how do I become totally vulnerable to my child so that my child knows, above everything, beyond everything, that I love him? That's it. Like, the most important thing you can give to your child 
is confidence that you love them. That's it. Like everything else is gravy. Your child has to just know it, that there's literally zero doubt, that there can be no doubt. And the only way in this, in this scene and in this setup that Han Solo could prove to his son that he loved him unconditionally and completely was to make himself essentially a sacrifice. Like, if you want to kill me, I'll let you do that because that's what you want and that's all I'm here for. Like, it's really up to you. And, like, so so Hansel is showing up for his kid. Like, there's no better way to prove that than in giving, literally giving his life. Intimately giving his life to his to um, his child. Um, and then the, the second dimension is for himself. Because Han Solo, his, one of his defining attributes is selfishness, right? It's one of his defining uh, character flaws is that he has a hard time putting other people first. Because he's got this rogue whatever. He doesn't stick around. He's got to move around. He's got to, you know, whatever. He's, gotta, he's, he's always in a hustle. And, like, he's going to... I mean, his last name's Solo. Yeah. You know he's going mean? to take the advantage. He's yeah. going to take it when he, when he can find it. He's going to take it when he can get it. And so to offer himself as the ultimate sacrifice at the end is the ultimate redemption of his character. Like, that is the, that is the ultimate sort of um, uh, finish of his arc. So it's it's like, you know, you've talked about how perfect it is that Tony Stark is, you know, the one that ends up sacrificing his life to yeah. save humanity. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's, you know, the mission is stop Kylo Ren. The mission is destroy this facility. There's literally nothing else I can do but stand here on this bridge and let my son kill me. It's also the, the level of... Um selflessness uh, to Leia as well. Because yeah. Leia was like, right before he left, the last thing that she said to him was, Han, bring our son home. Yeah, absolutely. So, th- so his ultimate sacrifice in trying to do that yeah. for her yep. and for himself, but for her was the ultimate arc completion. Exclamation point on that arc. Absolutely. Um, and the, the uh, and narratively, it, it buys us a lot. So you need to kill him. Because other people need the screen time in the next movies. You can't mm, yeah. you can't keep him around. Mm. Eventually, you have to kill all three in this trilogy. That's part of the reason this trilogy exists is to f- is to see the end of these three lives, whether that's through old age or murder or self-sacrifice or sure. whatever it is, we've got to see all three die eventually. So you're saying Leia's gone. Leia dies. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. Um so so Han Solo uh, was really the only one of the three that was available to kill in this movie. <laughs> so the fact that, like, it worked out so perfectly in the narrative is, like, really great because, like, he was... Anyway, it needed to be him. And then killing him also buys you a ton of narrative uh, depth and, and like, m- meaning. The stakes are much higher for the, all the characters who were connected to him because he was killed. Mm. It's... it's, it's uh, you know, killing off a character that is beloved is the best way you can commit people to what happens next. Um, you you need to know whether or not their death mattered and whether it counted for something. And so we will come back. We, we need to see what Ray does next. We need to see what Kylo Ren does next. We need to see what all these characters who we love do next because, because Han Solo is dead. His blood essentially seals the stakes of this movie. Hmm. Anything else you want to talk about before we're done? <laughs> we're looking oh. at uh, we're we're over an hour. 
so much, CJ. <laughs> so just you know, if you need to take a bathroom break, that's fine. I mean, no, <laughs> no, no, no. If we, you have stuff to talk no, about, let's do I, it. I, ju- I, I, I can, I can wrap, I can wrap it up. Um, I just, uh, I just want to say that I loved this movie, and I think the last thing, I think the last thing I want to talk about, just briefly, and maybe get your, uh, I think we, we may have even talked about this on the episodes, uh, on the, the actual Star Wars episode that we recorded uh, all that time ago. Um, but one of the last scenes in the movie is the lightsaber battle between Kylo Ren and Rey. Um, and I just, I don't really have anything to say about it other than that I loved it so much. Other than you're welcome for making you think about it right now. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that is the favor that I'm doing yeah. for you. <laughs> it's just just call to mind yeah. the wintry forest in the nighttime Amidst a uh, planet-wide earthquake, as Kylo Ren and Rey do, dude, a, Kylo, do oh, a lightsaber dude. battle, and that whole battle, Ad, that whole sequence yeah. is so amazing. Adam Driver, with Finn coming in with oh, the, and getting like slashed across the back, and then her having to well, like, the, with just oh, a man. solid blue lightsaber moment, uh, and yeah, Adam Driver in that scene is is phenomenal. Yeah, uh, like oh, my his, gosh. his his ability. I don't know. Ugh. Ugh, man crush Monday on Adam Driver. His his unbridled rage. Just rage. Absolute unfiltered rage at, like, the whole situation. You knowing, because he's smart. He's very smart. And he knows. And he's good. And he's, he's so talented. He's so powerful. And he knows. Like, he can't. He can't shake the demon of what's right. Yeah. Like, he can't get it off his back. And it makes him absolutely livid. And you see that in this scene in a way that is visceral and powerful. And it, like, it just, it pushes everything. It pushes Ray, like, literally and figuratively, pushing her to the edge. So that when she, so it has to, essentially, what's happening is that he is, breaking through the shell of insecurity so that she has to emerge stronger to confront his elemental fury. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. It is an absolutely beautiful scene in every way. I mean, it's the most beautiful scene of the movie, like, uh, cinemat- cinematographically. Um, it is the coolest, like, conflict, scene of conflict in the movie. It is just in every way that scene is is is. Like it's, I mean, it's like my favorite thing of that movie is that is that sequence where he's hunting her down in the yeah, woods, yeah, and and she has to fight for her life, and it's just this. Oh my gosh, it is. If if that doesn't seem if that scene doesn't work for you, then you then you cannot like Star Wars. <laughs> like that is such a Star Wars scene. There's there's a there's a famous uh, line in basketball from uh, one of the the famous sportscasters of all time, where if something really cool happens, he says. If you don't like that, then you don't like NBA basketball. <laughs> uh, and that's kind of yep. – I feel like you just said that. Absolutely. If you don't like that, you don't like Star Wars movies. Absolutely, I said that. Uh, um, and the, I'm – yeah. The one, uh, the one little detail that I remember thinking about in the theater and I loved just the little – it doesn't really matter, but I, I liked it. And that is I remember thinking, oh, the uneasiness and the – uh, what's the word? The uncontained emotions, positive and negative, of Kylo Ren uh, reflected in his lightsaber. Yeah. 
Just that that kind of because his is different than yeah, everybody else's. It sputters and spits light. Yeah, it's, it spits light all yeah. over the place. It's it's not near as contained and polished. Yep. Uh, which makes it scarier. Mm-hmm. Uh, feels more powerful that way. Uh, and just just a way more intimidating. And like the idea that this uncontained emotion, that emotion, is his downfall is so fascinating. And I, and her like in, in that last battle scene in that movie, her like stopping, concentrating, feeling the force self-possession. Yes. That self mastery of being able to control herself. And then she, she beats him. Cause he's, I mean, it's a, it's a concept that makes perfect sense. Like, uh, in sports too, if I'm sorry, I brought up two sports things in Star Wars <laughs> episode, but that's fine. Well, you're raised by a sports guy. Yeah. <laughs> if you, if you play any sport out of pure emotion, you will, uh, you will perform poorly. It's just, you have to stop and think. Uh, and this idea that Kylo Ren is driven by this un- unbridled emotion, uh, and it's just rage and frustration of just this little, just this little light that he cannot seem to extinguish in his head. This little part of him that thinks maybe he shouldn't be doing this <laughs> uh, is so good. Also, oddly relatable. Oh yeah, like like just that conscious that conscious. It's Jim. It's Jiminy Cricket, right? It's it's just yeah. that little guy. Anyway, I uh, I want to go. I want to go watch it <laughs> right now. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Me too. CJ, um, I I'm so glad uh, that we did this episode. I'm so glad that it's Star Wars week, and um, so ha- I'm excited to talk about the Last Jedi. <sighs> Man, I. If I was excited before, <laughs> I am just about losing my mind now. Uh, People are going to hate on us, just so you're aware. Oh, whatever. <laughs> I don't think so. I think we'll charm our way through. Um, really quick, uh, isn't there some kind of giveaway going on? There is some kind of giveaway going you on. You want to talk about that before we end the episode? Sure. Um, I, I still need to go through and check what I have. Uh, but I know that I have some Star Wars goodies, including some really cool uh, kind of Mondo-inspired posters that we have for Star Wars. Uh, and uh, yeah, so what we're going to do is that we're going to give it. We're going to do a giveaway specifically for our premium listeners. Awesome. So uh, if you are a premium listener. <coughs> Uh, of Nerd Critic to the max, then you are automatically put into the drawing. If you're not a member, then you can sign up to be a member. Uh, and I'll I'll be honest, if you sign up, this this might be one of the giveaways that you have the biggest chance of winning. Uh, if you go and become a premium member of Nerd Critic, yeah, there you go. So we got a bunch of bonus content on there. You can just binge it. Totally. Especially while we're, you know, taking our little short hiatus. Like, if you just are desperate for some more nerd critic. Absolutely. You can go listen to a bunch of stuff you haven't listened to before. Himalaya.com slash nerd critic. You'll see it. It'll be one of the first thing you see. Awesome. Awesome. Um, Well, I'm excited to know what the specifics are, which um, I would venture to say you can find out in the next episode. I I can promise you that. A whole lot of Star Wars socks, I can tell you that. (laughs) Oh, man. Darth Vader, Stormtrooper, Chewie, BB-8, socks. Good thing I'm a premium member. (laughs) (laughs) That's true, you are. Um, All right, well, uh, that's Wednesday. On Wednesday, we're doing The Last Jedi. 
Uh, and then finally, we'll stop hyping that episode, which might be the thing that our audience is most excited about. <laughs> might be. We've hyped <laughs> it for a while. For too long. For yeah. too long and too much, probably. Um, <clears throat> get in touch with us. Share this episode specifically or any other episode that you find relevant uh, with your friends. If you I mean, there's got to be it. one. I mean, there's, we, like a, there's like over 120 in there. Yeah, there's a lot. So if you, if you like it, share it. Uh, and... Uh, yeah, I think that's about it for today. I think so. So thank you, Mr. Michael, Mr. Bon Miller, for the Mr. Music. Yes, thank you. Uh, I think I also need to remind people yeah. and uh, to remember mm-hmm. to collect movies like a nerd and rewatch them like a critic. And cut. 